What's up, Jets fans, and welcome to an interesting episode seven of Jet Nation Live. We are your hosts, Dylan Terman and Glenn Naughton. I thought we were going to lead the show off talking about this Jets three-game win streak, and we will get into that, but unfortunately, that's not the case. Um, as per NFL insider Ian Rappaport a couple minutes ago, within the, the last hour, star wide receiver for the Jets, Elijah Moore, has requested a trade. Um, obviously, this comes due to his usage and his frustration with that usage, and he believes it's not enough. Um, I'll just kick it right off to you, Glenn. Uh, how how we doing, and what was this like right before we went live to get this news? Well, well hey, listen, it's better to get it now than to get it two minutes after we go off the air, right? So um, For sure. there, there's the silver lining. But um, listen, um, first things first, uh, credit to Rich Samini. Um, as I said to you, Dylan, yes. just a second ago, um, I did tweet you uh, whenever that story, but whenever Samini tweeted out that uh, you know Elijah Moore was in a practice today, and I saw a lot of Jets fans who were like, oh, Samini, he's stirring the pot. He's always got to be negative. And my thought was, this is at least noteworthy. Like, and I and I said, I messaged you and I said, well, the timing is kind of funny. And what I meant by that is, how often do you see a, 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 a guy in his young 20s, a second year player, um, who, despite his lack of targets, is a big part of this offense? get a day off a couple days before kickoff. Like days off today are reserved for like 37 year old veterans who have so much wear and tear that it's a courtesy to them. Teams don't just give 22 year old stars the day off a couple days before the game. Um, so at least I thought it was worth mentioning by some, like I read it from Smeany and I thought, Oh, well that's interesting. And then I see all the replies. Go to hell, Rich. You're an idiot, Rich. Why are you saying this, Rich? And I'm like, what, what am I seeing here that other people aren't? This is noteworthy. Mm-hmm. Now, now we find out Elijah Moore wants a trade. This is a terrible look for Elijah Moore. It's terrible. I mean, I I kind of defended the tweets, the post-game tweets. I said, look, he's frustrated that he's not getting targets. I get it. Um, you know, he'll 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 come around. Like, I didn't think that much of it. But this now, like, you're requesting a trade. I don't know how many people out there listen to uh, the Coach JB podcast, Jason Brown from Last Chance U. He talks about this all the time, how dudes are soft, and when they don't get their way for 10 minutes, they want out. College guys want the transfer portal. NFL guys want to get traded. They want to get cut because they have you know a bad few weeks. Dude, I've as a fan of this team, I've watched players, good players, play an entire career winning four or five games every year, not always getting the playing time. And they yeah. suck it up. And listen, I get it. Like, times have changed, and now guys are, you know, more willing to take charge and kind of set the, the, the direction for their own career, which I really can't knock. But after mm-hmm. a few games, like like four, four or five games of you're not getting enough targets and you want to be traded, you don't think there's a chance that wherever you go there might be a short stretch where you're not the center of the universe? I It's such a bad look for him. The Jets, of course, saying they don't want to deal him, but but what happens moving forward? You know, I didn't realize this as I just said to you, Dylan. I was only half joking. I thought, you know, what if what if Denzel Mims is active this week? Now we see Elijah Moore inactive, and you just said to me that uh, that Brian Costello from the New York Post tweeted just that. So so what do you what do you think, Dylan? What was your reaction, and and what are your thoughts, man? Yeah, my initial reaction was one my my heart sank because 
it's well documented on this podcast. We are fans of Elijah Moore. Like mm-hmm. what he can do when the ball is in his hands is truly special. Um, other than that, I just I think it is selfish. Obviously, this team is on a three-game win streak. I don't remember the last time anybody on this team has been part of a three-game win streak. And yep. like you said, uh, with uh, regarding the injury report or the the day off, if this was somebody like Dwayne Brown, sure, I wouldn't sneeze or like, look at it twice. I'd be like, okay, whatever. It, he's 37. His shoulder's been hurting. It's a year-long thing. But he hasn't been hurt once this year. Yeah, he's used a lot, and he's kind of running around and doing not much of anything. But schematically, I feel like he's taking two bodies away from the play because they're bracketing him in coverage. That's just my schematic point of it with him but right it's just it's, it's it's a terrible look like you can't do this when your team is this young finally getting its feet underneath him you are still a part i get it you're not getting the ball himself and albert breer uh tweeted this out and i didn't have all the numbers right but he did uh elijah moore's first in receiving uh snaps for the jets 82 percent. he has had at least four targets in every game before the packers game and he is sixth in receptions, fifth in yards, and fourth in targets. So this kind of mirrors what his path was last year. He was the third most targeted and had the third most routes run, but he was the first in yards and touchdowns. But this isn't the case this year. He's just not getting the ball. So he's technically out there on the field. They're just not getting him the ball. And we talked about it offline. When, when Zach Wilson's throwing 18 passes a game, I'm sorry, like your one target was a shit target. I'll give it that. And it was a penalty. That was a fluky penalty, and we'll get into it. But it's just you can't do this when your team finally gets their their act together and reels off some dominant wins. That we That's what we want to talk about. We don't want to talk about this garbage. And unfortunately, I've gotten to the point that if it comes to a trade, I've accepted it. And this might be a reason why I don't buy Jets jerseys anymore. Yeah, the, the Jets have supposedly said they have no interest in trading him. Of course. But like I said, what, what happens moving forward? You yeah. know, and 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 does a team call up and make listen, uh, super talented player, but you used a mm-hmm. two on him. Um, if someone calls you and offers you a low one, I mean, obviously you don't know where teams are gonna be picking nowadays, mm-hmm. but you know, hypothetically, let's say uh well the Bears aren't giving you a one because they're probably picking top three. Um but I mean, they could give you. I, I don't know. I, I don't even want to get into the 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 bottom line. Is the Jets are saying they're not interested? But listen, everyone's interested in, in a trade. If the pack, Every if team the, should be interested in trading for yeah. him. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there are teams out there who could definitely use him. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I just can't believe this, man. I mean, I know. Has it ever, there ever been a scenario where after three game winning streak, somebody has requested a trade? I understand people get frustrated and. And, and somebody tweeted it out, bad, and I forget who. Bad few games. A exactly. Bad... If we were one in five, and this is what the tweet said, it it'd be understandable. It'd be okay. Like I get it. You're you're frustrated, but like we're winning now. Like, and you, yeah, I get it. You tweeted out after the game. You're happy for your teammates, and you want to be there. But like, what does that mean three days later when you're now requesting a trade? Are you actually there for your teammates? Like I, I don't know. It's it's tough when they want to run the ball. He's not their best run blocking wide receiver. Um, he's a great route runner. I don't think they're throwing him the best routes. Uh, we could get into Mike LaFleur's role in this whole thing. And I think he needs to manufacture way more touches for him. I tweeted, if you have Braxton Berrios running around the yard, I get it. He's a return man, but Elijah Moore and him are of the same mold. You can get Elijah Moore doing pretty much the same things Braxton Berrios is doing. I think it's just a matter of they're doing it with Braxton Berrios instead. So 
I don't know if, if, if they get rid of him, I'm not going to say it's going to be the same offense. Like a lot of people think it will be because it's not, I definitely think he's getting bracket coverage, the corner, mm -hmm. the safety's edging on his side and Miami is specifically, they run a lot of man. They were running single high with the safety, you know, on his side. And there's just him isolated on the side of the field. It's just him, the corner and the safety. That's not a good look. You're never going to throw their numbers game says you're not doing it. So yep. Zach just cuts that whole field out half of the field out of his progression. And it's unfortunate, but, it's it's on everybody to get him involved, and you shouldn't do this after a three game win streak, no matter what. That that, that I mean, that's the worst part of it. I mean, th there's two things that are equally bad, and I, I know I, I've already said it, but it's the fact that you're winning, and it's the fact that th this is a few games. Like, mm -hmm. deal with some adversity as as a football player. You know what I mean? Th there yep. are going to be times in your career when things aren't you did going it last year. You you you're going to ask to get traded like every every few weeks when things right. aren't going your way. Yep. It, it it's it's really surprising um especially he just seemed like such a i don't know I mean, it's not is it a character thing i don't know it's it is kind of a a selfish like i mean he say he says himself i don't want to be that guy but he's being that guy you know yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like sending out a tweet saying i'm not going to say anything well the tweet is saying something you're already <laughs> saying something yep i would like to announce that i do not have an announcement like um yeah you know, exactly what are you talking about you just said something about the thing you telling us you're saying something to not say anything about. Um, so he does that. And then, you know, I, I'm happy for my teammates. I love being here. And then a few days later, he wants to trade. I actually, I messaged somebody and said, listen, you know, sometimes you do see guys pipe up in situations like this, you know, and as they say, the squeaky right. wheel gets the oil. So my thought was, I'm, I'm going to put some money on Elijah Moore this week to go over his yards, you know, his projected yards. Yep. Because I think the Jets are going to say, all right, let's, let's keep him happy. Let's get him six, seven balls his way. But now I'm like, I, I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, I, I think that I think that's the way forward, really. Yeah. Um, get him some catches, win the game. But the problem is you're not facing a defense where you're just going to be able to drop back and put the ball where you want. Like, this is no. a good defense. So yeah. I can see another – yeah, we'll, we'll get into that later. But, yeah, it's, yeah just, his, it's such a bad look for him. Yeah, exactly. And just to put a bow on it, his range of outcomes this Sunday are truly – wearing street clothes on the sidelines and or like you said possibly multiple double digit targets and 140 yards and three end zone looks and yeah the whole nine exactly so anything can happen i think it's rightful that fans are frustrated they have every right to be we're finally Absolutely. this is a stupid distraction that did not need to come down on a thursday when we're game planning for a game that we're going to get into that is winnable again another win another winnable game excuse me so just not a good look. We'll get into it a little bit more later. But for now, that is just we're on monitor. We got to watch it. And hopefully he doesn't get traded and the ladder of the opportunities happens and he absolutely poops against Denver. But we have to get into what happened last week. Obviously, the Jets got their second dominant win of the season over the Green yep. Bay Packers. This is the, the second, third win in a row, excuse me. And this win combined with the Miami win, now has 40 points over their opponent. So they've won by 40 points in the last two games, essentially, is what I'm trying to say. And it it shows on the field. They're more physical. They are, they're way more aggressive on between the whistles. Their halftime adjustments were way better. I think um, somebody tweeted out a Salah uh, halftime speech about they we can't if we just pull them deeper they can't swim or something like that i'm not sure if that's confirmed but if that is the case that was absolutely true in the second half they pulled them deeper using the run game and they could not hang with the jets in the second half we were getting push on offense and defensive line which how you win games in the trenches 
Quinn Williams, man, another great game for Q. So all in all, what were your thoughts on the win before we break into the, the goods and the bads of it? Well, that, you know, the, the, what you said, and I, you know, we, we talk about it all the time and it's, <clears throat> I said a couple, I said to you a couple of times as leading up to the season, um, that I was, tr- I was trying really hard to temper my expectations because, uh, you know, it, every year you kind of think like, okay, if this team plays to its potential, what's, what's the best case scenario? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, in recent years as well, if everything goes right, you might win six games, maybe you win seven and you got, you win four, you know? Um, but this year, it's because of these trenches and because of the corners that I, I just, I didn't want to let, like, I think I said, you know, that the, the, the most you'll see, you know, the, the ceiling on this team's wins, I think I said was nine. But I really was kind of, you know, thinking to myself, like, it, again, they're all ifs until we know. Mm-hmm. But I just kept thinking, if these corners are as good as advertised at a passing league, yep. and, and you win in the trenches, because, again, we this is when we thought Beckton would be back, but now, really, Dwayne Brown is no slouch. <laughs> 37 years old or not, he is a grown man, and he is he a beauty people. So really, even without Becton in there, um, you know, you haven't lost much, if anything, really. Um, but I just kept thinking with Tomlinson, with Becton healthy, you know, if he had been, I'm like, I, I can't think of a lot of teams that'll be better than them on when the Jets are on offense in the on the in the trenches. Mm-hmm. And then the same along the D line. If yep. Quinnen takes that next step, which he clearly has. Um, if you know, if Lawson stays healthy, which knock on wood he has so far. Mm-hmm. You know, that was that was my whole thought. I'm like, offensively and defensively, more times than not, they're going to be the better team in the trenches. And you have these two corners, which were, you know, sort of the biggest question marks because of the boomer bust factor. Like, it, they, to me, were the guys that were going to make it a team that can make the playoffs versus a team that wouldn't have a chance at the playoffs. And I was like, if those guys can lock down the way they're that we believe they can, and you win in the trenches on Sundays, if you remove the emotion from it, like let's say we were talking about another team, right? Mm-hmm. Team, pick pick any random team. Let's yeah. say you have been paying attention to the league for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And someone comes to you and says, well, there's a team right now, um, every Sunday or almost every Sunday, they're going to be the better team in the, uh, you know, up front, D-line and O-line is going to be a superior unit. And they have a couple of shutdown corners. And, you know, and, you know, a guy like Brees Hall to boot. You would think, okay, well, that, that, that to me sounds like a 10 or 12 win team, right? Like, yep you're the better team up front every week and you have shut down corners. You, that should be a 10 to but I can't allow myself to think that like, I don't want to get that sure. far myself. So I'm still thinking, all right, you know, nine is the cap, but really part of me is like, eh, it's a little higher than that, you know, but. Yeah. I, I think expectations, especially from the Vegas win total of five and a half, definitely need to be adjusted at this point. I think yeah. um, when Alex and I did it way back when the schedule was first released and I didn't really you know, change my outlook too, too much. I had it at seven and 10. And I think that was a low end. Like you're just saying for all those reasons, like you don't want to be overly optimistic. And yeah, I said seven. I was, and I was saying nine was the ceiling. So except, I was probably yeah. seven and 10, eight and nine. Yeah, exactly. Like and, and I'm sure if you go back and listen to that episode again, I probably say nine is the ceiling. If the ball bounces in the way that it looks like it has been for the jets recently. So my two things were if you're going to go on the road and Lambeau is always a hard place to be. They were, I think, 15 and 0 coming off a loss yeah, or 10 and 0 15. off a loss. Yeah. I, yeah, I think it's like 15 wins. I think it's Rodgers is 15 and, like and LaFleur is 10. 
Yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah. Oh, a he, lot of wins and no it, losses. Literally what we're saying, no losses at home. And the Jets packed a run game and a defense. That is the the key to success in any situation. You couple that with offense and defensive line domination. It's like not even – we talked about it that, um, that graphic last week, and it was PFF Sam who put it out. And he said elite front four. The Jets and the Bills were kind of in their own world. And it showed again on Sunday. They were dominant. Aaron Rodgers just – I've really – I've watched a ton of Packers. My best friend is a Packers fan, and we watched most of the game together. I left when it got ugly. And uh, I've watched so much Packers football that that was – Aaron Rodgers was running for his life truly, and you don't see that often. And he he commended the Jets' entire defense on the Pat McAfee show. He was individually naming players, including Jordan Whitehead, who I think – made a really good play against um, Rodgers uh, in the third quarter. Mm-hmm. But it's just it it just goes to show that the Jets are not – we've actually turned the corner finally. And I felt like this was the statement game. And when you do that, you bring the run game, the defense, O-line, D-line domination. This is what you get, 27 to 10. It was not 27 to 10. This was a 41 to 10 game if the first half for the Packers wasn't as dominant on defense as it was. They had mm-hmm. Zach a little scared. I was a little nervous, and it was three to three at half. Like, that was anybody's game. In the second half, we blew blew the doors off, and it was kind of game over after uh, the punt the punt block. But this is – it. it just – it didn't feel like, like a Jets win that you couldn't take – like, there was just so much positive out of this game that – you couldn't minimize it is basically what I'm trying to say. Like every other win you could try to minimize. Cleveland was a miracle. Miami's third string court, whatever the case, this win, you could not minimize any part of it across the board. They dominated. And like you said, the corners, they could bring us to the playoffs. They're they're God damn. I want to curse so bad. They're so scary. Uh, Sauce is is ridiculous. I feel like I, and I, it's unfortunate because I'm going to, you know, get pushed back because I wanted the offensive tackle and Ika McQuan or, or whoever it was. But you just had to think Sauce was going to f- have that vulnerable moment at some point, maybe early on in the season. And then, you know, it would come up eventually. Right. No, he was shutting down from snap one. It didn't yep. matter. He could do it, he can almost do no wrong in this defense. And PFF has that one touchdown allowed on the miscommunication. I will die on the hill that he has zero touchdowns allowed. But yeah, you said it. They're absolutely dominant and they deserve all the praise that they're getting after this game. I think the national attention is warranted. We thought it was warranted after the Miami game and now it's Mm -hmm. definitely warranted. The Jets are on the map. I think we're the sixth seed in the AFC bracket right now. I'm not going to, you know, get too much into that, but still, this is rare territory for October 20th of any Jets season in recent history. So you got to feel good about it all across the board. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the the thing, it's nice to hear that Aaron Rodgers, um, you know, call naming guys out because they really were that good. Yes. And you just, like I said, it's, it's, it's really hard, and I we're both doing it. Like you don't want to get ahead of yourself, mm-hmm. um, but I've, I guess I'm just looking at the way the team is structured, and you know, and thinking how can this, you know, of course, injury to the biggest concern at this point, yeah, because the talent's there, yeah. the talent's there, the depth is there. Um, the you know, Eccles came in and played a couple more more quality snaps. I know he gave up the TD, mm-hmm. but um, he's done a really nice job. And that, yeah, everything. the The thing is, what was I going to say when when you were talking about the scores? The, the thing that that you know 
because I'm it's happening to me too. I'm sitting there thinking about these wins the other day, and I'm I thought they've been so dominant, no one's talking about how bad Zach has been. Right. Like he yep. he's been bad. I mean, yeah. yeah, you know, guys are covered, and I get all that, but he hasn't been good. He's not been terrible, um, but he's been he's been much less than what we expected. You know, if game one you kind of give him a pass, but now you're up to game three and you're still you're throwing for a hundred yards. Like the running back is rushing for more yards than your quarterback is throwing for. That's not good. But no one's really talking about it because I, I would guarantee you if they were winning these games like 17-14, like eking out close wins, yep. we'd be like, hey, man, the, like we got it. What's up with Zach? We, we, you can't sustain this. But when you're blowing teams out, people kind of give you a pass. But should they be? Because I'm, you know, you know what I should say? I should say I'm worried about Zach for the first time. Because uh, after the Cincinnati game, I said that was the first time I was worried about Robert Sala. And since then, the defense has been lights out. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to go on record and say this is the first time I'm worried about Zach. Um, I hope you're listening, Zach, and we get the same turnaround that we got from the defense. <laughs> but, no, in all seriousness, I know guys recovered this week. I know that, you know, <clears throat> and I, I sent out a tweet, at, uh, what, last night, I think, and I think some people took it the wrong way. Um, I was kind of thinking – about, you know, along these lines and thinking it's it's nice that the Jets finally have a quarterback where you're not just, you know, you're not turning it over two, three, four times a game. Mm-hmm. Like that, the defense is playing well and the offense is protecting the ball. And that's why they're they're producing even or that's why they're winning, even though Zach isn't producing at a high level. Mm-hmm. And um, and I looked at the, t- the turnover and touchdown stats in the last few quarterbacks to kind of give an example. Like this is what they were dealing with in the past versus what they have now. And I, like a lot of the replies were like, so what? Those quarterbacks sucked. The bar needs to be higher. Like, I'm not saying the goal is to be better than Geno Smith. Right. I'm pointing out the fact that the current quarterback is doing a much better job of protecting the football. And that's, I mean, listen, he, in these games where the offense isn't, where he, he's throwing for 100 yards, if he's got two or three picks, you're probably not winning these games. Um, but he, but he, he needs to take that next step. You can't just hang your hat every week on the fact he didn't have any turnovers. Well, he didn't have any touchdowns either. Like, you know, we got to – you got to produce. Um, and I think that's the surprising thing. We didn't expect with this many weapons for there to be days where Zach Wilson's going to go out there and throw for 100 yards. Right, exactly. And um, I think it was in our uh, season preview show that I predicted that the Jets were going to run about two creative plays per game. And so far that has been another reason why – there's less need to put it all on Zach's back. And I think it's always great in this league when you have a quarterback you can win because of, like the Mahomes and the Allens, the Rodgers, the Jacksons. But it's also great, like great, when you have a a quarterback that you don't have to win in spite of. I feel like if you have five, five turnovers, not five, three turnovers in this game, it's a completely different game because you saw exactly what happened the other way. We had what the the pump block, so that's one turnover. If you add two more turnovers to that game, the entire landscape is different because of how close it was in the first half. So, yeah, yeah Zach Wilson did not look good. It was his final stat line, 10 for 18, 110 yards, zero touchdowns, zero picks. He had quite a few of those heart attack balls that we saw in his first game back against Pittsburgh where he scrambled yeah. around and the, the one where he's on the sidelines and just throws it to Corey Davis in the end zone. That was just unnecessary i don't remember if it was third down or not but even if it is that's it's first down the other way if that's 
a catch. So exactly. it's not what you want, you especially in a close game like that. I'm trying to pull up how many turnover-worthy plays he had, but I don't think it was as many as it was in Pittsburgh. So it's kind of going down. Uh, he averages, oh, geez, he averaged, he has six turnover-worthy plays in the last three games. So he had four against Pittsburgh, zero last week. So he had two. He, it's getting better from that standpoint, but from a play-to-play standpoint, it was very scary, and those turnovers could have happened if it was, you know, an inch this way, an inch that way. Jair Alexander absolutely locked down Garrett Wilson, and he was targeted way too many times for being shadowed the entire game. So I thought the the game plan was solid, and what they asked of Zach was good, but you want to see more of that limited opportunity. You want to see him go 13, 14 of 18, 150 160 yards and a touchdown and i think the narrative is completely different but yeah we're bordering on when is the game going to happen where he needs to throw for 270 280 and two or three touchdowns because the playmakers mm -hmm. aren't doing what they need to do so it's it's a bad look i'm sorry go okay go ahead finish what you're saying i was just gonna say so you can you can bank on the playmakers all you want but at the end of the day if they don't show up zach has to and we need to see that game for me to say, okay, yeah, I'm comfortable with Zach and he's definitely the guy. And I, I'm not going to lie. I'm a little worried. I'm not going to say I'm off the Zach train by any means right. and he's looked good, but it's definitely concerning when his limited opportunities aren't great or even above average for the most part. Well, I think even, even this, this one game, if you take one throw, you take that 41 yard completion to Corey Davis. If he leads him on that, that's a touchdown. That's a bomb completed for a you know 50 60 yard touchdown yeah and everyone's a little bit happier like okay yep. he's, a guy, he's gonna make a big play but really if you look at that play for what it is um yeah he created the time with his legs which is great but that was a chance at at, at a big time score and he underthrows him and it's a 41 yard completion which is again that 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 in itself is big but you kind of left some you left a lot of meat on the bone on that play yeah, exactly. I was I was going to I'm glad you brought that specific play up because I was looking at the all 22 and I really thought he had a chance to set his feet and throw it before the I think it was a defensive tackle came bearing down on him. I thought right. he just had that extra second, which would have made it. And yeah, it was a great play regardless. But mm -hmm. just that great play becoming a perfect play and perfect right. execution, that's six points. Exactly. So, yeah, those little little minute things that go a long way when the game is as close as it was in the first half. And the, and what was it again? Was it against Cincinnati or Miami? I think yeah, against Cincinnati, the ball that we talked about to Brees Hall, you know, Brees Hall on that wheel route, all day, all day, yep. wide open down that sideline, yep. he connects, and that's a ninety-one yard touchdown pass, and everyone is psyched, and yeah, it changes not, everything. There's not a defender within ten yards of him, and he he just misfires and overthrows him, and I'm, I, you know, the good thing is, he has had his moments, obviously. Um, and so it's, it's, it's not like you're not looking at a guy who's like never making a play. Like, uh Oh, we, we got the wrong guy here. You have a guy who is making big plays at times. You just want to see it more consistently. Yeah. And so to talk about some of those good plays, um, obviously the Corey bomb, um, which the play before was a great slant route to Corey Davis. A lot of people overlooked that play because of the deep pass, but the, the route before it, I believe, I believe it was two slants there in, a, the They're just in a flat route. Um, and Corey Davis had had outside leverage. He cut inside, and Zach threw it with enough anticipation to get that first down, which then led to the big play. So that was a huge play for him there. Um, and then I also wanted to highlight there was a play, I believe it was the last pass play of the entire game for the Jets because they ran the ball the entire fourth quarter. 
the last pass play was like almost like an RPO mesh, more of a play action with Tyler Conklin across the middle again, like they did in Pittsburgh. And I think there was some kind of miscommunication with Alexander and Stokes on the, on the boundary when Wilson went in motion and Tyler Conklin was wide open, but Zach saw it quick enough and reacted fast enough to both DBs dropping with Wilson to hit that Conklin ball fast enough. And those little things are, are like, okay, he knows exactly where he's supposed to go. He knows the timing of the play and where he's supposed to put his eyes, which is the first and foremost, the important thing in this offense, especially now it's just, let's take a little heat off the ball for one and put the pass where it needs to be, especially on the short and intermediate routes. And I think Zach will do that. And yeah, this week will be a tough challenge, but he has, he has it in him and we've seen it, especially on film. He's showing it on uh, a more than, enough basis for me to say he has what it takes to to have those big games if they need him to we just need to see it that's all it comes down to i think yeah and and listen you know it's important to keep in mind while we're talking about this um and again you can't say enough that you know neither one of us is saying he's you know he's not the guy um there are concerning things but at the same time he's played 16 games you know as a pro yeah exactly um so even i have to remind myself of that because this, you know, today's game, today's landscape, like fans, we want results right away because when you get that odd, when you get the Patrick Mahomes or, uh, you know, the, some of these quarterbacks that come in and have instant success, not everyone's the same. And some guys take a little longer. Um, I joked the other day and, you know, I, I've said, you know, I guess the plan with Geno Smith should have been to sit him for seven years or, you know, six years and acquire three different Hall of Fame quarterbacks for him to sit behind. And that's all it was going to take for him to become a quality quarterback. Seven, you know, six years on the bench behind Hall of Fame quarterbacks, and and now he looks like he can play. But yeah, you you, you know, no one's giving up on Zach. Um, it's mm-hmm. just a matter of you know, as I said, we didn't expect with with the number of quality receivers they have, you didn't expect to see any games where you just couldn't complete a pass, and that's what it felt like. I mean, I don't, I I had the I had the numbers up earlier. You know, you mentioned earlier eighteen completions. How many of those to wide receivers? I mean, most right. of it. I think he had five or six completions to his wide receivers, whereas it's a lot of the backs, a couple to the tight ends. Um, but Brees Hall and Michael Carter, they're going to get their six or seven targets a game. So when you're only completing 18, that only leaves nine, 10, 11 balls for your, your four or five receivers and your couple tight ends. So not a lot to go around. Four catches for wide receivers, four yeah. of the 10. So clearly, even if it was Elijah Moore, it would not have been – enough to you know satisfy him in the way that I feel like he wants the ball so yeah I I I don't have a problem with the game plan whatsoever I just think Zach needs to capitalize on those limited opportunities but yeah um, this is where you got like Corey Davis pulls him aside and says look man like yes a little bit okay this is this is where you need to have these veterans in the locker room um you know even like even Zach like Zach might be the captain and the quarterback and all that but he's not a guy who's been there done that like he there's not a lot he can tell about Elijah Moore about being in the NFL because they both they both got in the NFL the same day. He's been there for um, one round more, yeah. Yeah, so you hope there's a veteran somewhere, you know, whether it's a Dwayne Brown um, or a Corey Davis to to sit up. But it it just you know I don't want to keep going back to it, but th- this is why it's such a bad look for him. It, none of this should be necessary. Not, like, exactly. None of it. It's yeah. not even if you fix it, which who knows if they will. There's people are going to be you know. Anything short of winning a Super Bowl, and fans are always going to be looking at him like, "Oh, that guy." Like, you know, it's it's a soft it's a soft move. It's a bad look. 
Yeah, yeah. I feel like most of Twitter, at least, is already more than one foot out the door with Elijah Moore. So it's tough to get back in the graces of the fan base. And it's just going to be awkward, to say the least, from here on out until there's a solution or he either is an all pro or something like he's like Super Bowl. Exactly. So, you know, yeah, that's the thing. I say Super Bowl, but in all reality, if he's, you know, over the next two or three games, if he finds the end zone five or six times, all will be forgiven. Mm. Uh, you know, if they course, keep winning, right. if they keep winning and he's producing, fans are going to, the fans are going to move on from it. But um, they're uh, understandably, they're upset right now. And um, you just, I, I think for me, part of it is like, you know, there, there are always going to be challenges and obstacles and adversity. So is every time things don't go well, like, is this going to be a regular thing? You know, like, oh, I want out. I want out. Oh, we lost three in a row. I want out. You know, I didn't have enough targets. I want out. It's, I don't know. He's, yeah. I know he's a young guy. You got to grow up and all that. But it's like I said, and I think that's part, you know, if you're a Jets fan, and you've been a Jets fan for 15, 20, 30 years. Like you've seen a lot of guys sit through a lot of bad times and mm-hmm. deal with it. And this guy is asking for out just as they're starting to ascend and become relevant again. Yeah, exactly. And that's why I said it had to have been unprecedented because after a winning streak like this, nobody should really want out of the team. But the reason he wasn't getting the ball is because the Jets drafted a player at number 36 overall named Brees Hall, who, quite frankly, is an all-pro. Or in the last three weeks since he's gotten a full workload has Mm -hmm. looked like an all pro by all accounts um what did he have 20 rushes for 116 yards and a touchdown he had four runs of 10 plus yards his running mate michael carter also had six for 41 including a big 25 yard run in the fourth quarter which i wrote down immediately on this note card demoralized the defense yeah i think throughout the entire second half all those runs where Brees hall was knocking through defenders and getting out Mm -hmm. of bounds, but still standing up and the defenders were laying down. That's those type of runs where it's like, shit, I don't think uh, we have a chance right now against this guy. And that's what happened. Brees Hall took over the creative play um, that ended up in the touchdown for Brees Hall, the 34 yarder. I read somewhere or heard somewhere on a press conference that that was supposed to be a pitch back to Garrett Wilson, who was supposed to either throw the over route to Barrios or the rail route to, Michael Carter, they both kind of looked open. I'm not going to say they didn't, but Garrett Wilson wasn't open. So Brees Hall making a veteran move and cuts it upfield in front of all these Packers defenders. Zach Wilson's just standing there like, what the hell happened? He didn't even know because he he wasn't sure what was going on. What what do you think of Brees Hall? Um, He has... He's the front runner for offensive rookie of the year, deservedly. He's won the Pepsi, I'm not even going to say it, rookie of the week. Two out of the last three weeks should have been the last three weeks, if not for Sauce. And he also won the FedEx Ground Player of the Week. So, what's up with Sauce? Is this uh, or with Brees? Excuse me. Is this is this the new normal? And should we should we expect this every week from him? I mean, listen, man. This is what we expected when he was drafted. I I I said a few times, you know, easily, easily, and I, I'm pretty sure I said it wasn't close. Like the most physically talented running back this team has ever had in my lifetime as a Jets fan. Yeah. Like, you can look at all the backs they've had. They haven't had a lot of great ones, but they've had some good players. You know, Freeman McNeil was sort of at the beginning of my fandom, really good player. Of course, there was Curtis Martin. But they've never had a guy with these tools. And I know those guys don't always pan out. You have to wait and see because um, we've seen a lot of guys with a lot of tools who aren't in the league anymore. 
Um, but I just I just kept saying it. Like, there's never been a more talented Jets back in the time I've been watching the team. And um, I really from week one, I, I you know, I don't know if they were trying to just if it was a respecting for Michael Carter to let him get a little more you know, of the action the first few weeks of the year. But like from week one, I'm like, this needs to be the guy like yeah. he needs to be at minimum, minimum 12, 15 carries a game um, and, and just let let's see what happens. And now we're seeing him get the ball. And it's it's fun, and it's you know you and I said I think what, what what did we say with our projections? Did we say they would? I think I said they would have the offensive or defensive rookie of the year. We both said the exact same. Yes, they would have one or the other. Now it's almost yeah. looking like they'll have both. <laughs> I know. I, it, again, it's one of those things. I didn't want to be too bullish, right? And I I think the reason I I think it's like if I had to pick one who's going to win it, I would say Brees. Because mm-hmm. voters love stats, of course, and it, 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 you can load up on stats at running back, and I feel like you always have an advantage if you're on the D line or a linebacker. Because if you get 14 sacks, you're getting the votes. I was uh, just, I was just about to say, Devin Lloyd is the front runner for defensive rookie of the year, and he's mm-hmm. had a phenomenal rookie season. Don't get me wrong, but it's inflated with the amount of tackles and everything else on right. a play-to-play basis because he's in the middle of the field versus. Sauce's best stat is 17 uh, passer rating against in single coverage. Like, that's what right. he has to hang his hat on. And, 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 well, and well, yeah, and, and I was going to say, you know, he, he could at this – if he keeps going the way he's going, I don't know how long teams are going to keep challenging him. Um, he's going to be – he'll lead the NFL in passes defended, pass breakups. Yeah, certainly that, rookies. Yep. Yeah, that's just not a stat that people – ever look at really or not as much going to target you know i just i don't know who else you're going to target because as i was saying saying, like i'm i'm saying you're not going to target him but i think well actually dj reed's blanketing guys and if sauce is on your best guy if you're going to throw to someone who's covered it's going to be your best guy so sauce probably will keep seeing targets yeah Um, and michael carter nothing nothing we should definitely give michael carter his flowers because he has been a great slot player i think it's underrated the entire jets corners i think they're finally getting their recognition but yeah all three of them have been and brandon Eccles, like you mentioned in his limited role that touchdown there's nothing you can do about it uh that was a perfect rogers back shoulder only where my guy's gonna get it against lazard so there's nothing you can do and he even said it in the the Jets win cam. You could try me once, but you can't try me twice because they tried him again downfield and, and they had and the single high safety up. come over. It was, should have been a damn pick, but that that's exactly what he, he learned from his mistake. He got into a better position for the next opportunity and he took advantage. Yeah. So every single corner is doing so well. I mean, obviously Jeff Ulbricht needs to get a little bit of credit back from this fan base. I feel like I haven't seen enough of, Hey, yeah. let's give Ulbricht back some, some credit. I tweeted that out. But not only that, but every single positional coach, White Cotton on the D-line, Rutenberg on the linebackers, Tony Oden with the DBs, well, and Marquel Manuel. All four of those guys are doing such a, a great job with this defense to have them playing at such an elite level. I believe they're like 12th in total defense in their rankings. They're being ranked power ranked in the top 10 by ESPN and NFL no, no, Network. I mean, listen, it's power ranking, right? They, of course, a grain of salt for but, sure. But it's still it's – still, recognition it's kind of yeah i actually i, I meant to say that because you know i know we joked about like the pepsi player of the week that's, yeah, that's yeah. the fans voting but you're still like i don't know who's picking the names but somebody is recognizing you as being worthy so even if you just want to say that's jets yep. fan stuff in the ballot box these guys are still top four every you week have to qualify yep. yeah you gotta you gotta be one of the four guys they pick who's worthy of winning it so even if you say the jets fans are skewing it this is still 
every single week they got a guy, sometimes two, who are worthy of consideration for the best rookie in the league that week. That's that's phenomenal, man. That's exactly. This is, and this is this is wacky. I can't, it's I can't, uncharted territory I, I for sure. Used, I mean, I can get used to this, but it's going to take some getting used to. You can look at, and I know we never did our um, quarterly rookie review. We'll do an, we'll do a halfway point review. I promise oh, everybody. Every rookie at this point, well, except for Jeremy Rucker, who hasn't played a lot, has made a difference in a game at some point or for multiple games or has just looked better than expected, ex- including Max, Max Mitchell. Max Mitchell, um, yeah. Garrett Wilson, week two. Brees Hall, weeks three and on, honestly. Um, Max Mitchell obviously looked good. Uh, Jeremy Ruckert's been inactive. Jermaine Johnson has had his moments. He Obviously, now he's banged up. And then even Michael Clemens, the last pick for the Jets, number 117, comes up clutch, a big pump block. And he was pretty dominant um, on the other special teams. I usually overlook special teams on the All-22, I'll be honest, and I shouldn't. I really shouldn't. But Michael Clemens is quite honestly a dog on special teams. He'll take out the guy next to the snapper and then just bull rush the snapper. And quite honestly, it works because nobody's going to go after – look him at in the uh, in the eyes on the trenches and say – I have confidence to stop you. Nobody has. And he just looks – 72 stands out on a special teams play, and, but he's hustling. I would not want to run into him down the other end of the field after he's made his block because that's scary too. So every single rookie for this team has made a statement at some point in the season, and that's credit to Joe Douglas. You have all these high picks. Sure, that's great. You can collect them all you want. You're hitting on them now, and I think they're starting to, to produce in the second-year guys as well, AVT – so it's all around. Everything's looking positive. I'm not trying to get too positive, but you just you can't look at any aspect of this and try to minimize it in any way. And I think that's the difference in what's going on right now in New York. It's just crazy. Yeah. And, you know, it's and, you know, we, we've said it a few times already, but it is hard not to get carried away at the moment because, you know, but listen, all it'll take is a couple losses in a row and it all comes crashing down. And, you know, let, let, let's fire everyone all over again. You know, and everyone gets back on that bandwagon. But um it's just hard to envision, you know, it, again, with, with the pieces that are in place, um, this Den, you know, like I said, we'll talk about the Denver game, but the, the way Russ Wilson is playing right now with the, and the way the Jets secondary is playing right now, um, you know, I, I, I like I like that, that matchup for the Jets, but um, it, it's the thing to me. And I was, I was thinking about doing a, an entirely separate, either an article or, you know, maybe a post game pod. Cause it feels like you can do it any week because the Jets rookies are going to, you know, every week someone's going to make a play. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll I'll, t- I'll touch on it briefly here. Um, I think that and, and look, I'm I've been as guilty of this as anybody. I'm not going to lie. Um, so don't you know? No one has to say, "Oh, you." I've seen you do this, Glenn. Um, I know in years past, like, and, and you know, part of it is even if you're not a bad team, but even more so when you're terrible, um, like the Jets have been for so long. A lot of fans will like you know come draft time will be you, you you kind of put the blinders on and like you, you just lie to yourself for yeah for lack of a better term you're like all right this guy's gonna be good even though part of you is like there's not a lot there like you know you may not truly believe in a guy but I mean Jesus Christ if you can't be optimistic at draft time like just stop watching just stop like that, exactly that, that's the only time where you Probably, even if you're wrong, like you don't know, like, well, I know when we played the games that we suck. So I know we sucked, you know, last year, um, this coming year will probably suck. 
but we might not. So let's hang on to the we might not bit so we can have four months of, you know, not being miserable discussing this football team. Um, so I feel like there's been a lot over the years of like convincing ourselves. Again, I'm, I'm as guilty of it as anybody. Like can, mm-hmm. wait, giving guys too long, you know, like guys who, you know, there's the part where you say give a guy three years before you judge him. But, but then he looks so bad after the first year and a half that you're like, this guy's never going to get it. But you don't want to believe it. So he he might make one play. And you're like, oh, look, there's something. Like he's – look, like Chad Hansen. Oh, he made a diving catch against the Saints, which that was all the catch. We're like, oh, that's his first target in weeks, and maybe maybe he's getting it now. Maybe he'll be good. Yeah. And you have to kind of lie to yourself because who wants to spend 365 days a year lamenting the fact that the team sucks – when the draft gives you that little window to be optimistic and hopeful. Um, but we don't have to do that anymore. Like, they're good. These players are good. We don't yeah. have to lie. We can, we can be honest and say these guys are good. There is no pretend. There, is, there aren't, like, six dudes who can't find their way onto the field where we got to think, oh, well, maybe he'll be good when he does get on the field. Uh, maybe they've benched him for three years because it's a really good plan. You know, no. Like, th- these guys can play, um, and it's it's just fun to watch, and – it's it's as excited as, as Jets fans have been in a long time, and rightfully so. And now we just wait and see where it goes. Yeah, I, back to your draft point. I think, you know, you spend six months from uh, August to January watching these games, and obviously recent history has just been garbage. And you, you're so depressed watching the games that you look forward to the draft time because it should be a happy time from, from January – eighth ninth tenth whatever the end of the season is till draft time every team should have optimism because all 32 teams should get better whether you know you like to pick on the surface or not like you know the patriots got pooped on for uh, getting cole strange and taekwon thornton but they're actually working out so every team is supposed to get better in draft time so it should never be a time to be you know depressed or anything like that um it's tough i mean this week i don't know about you but i'm totally down to skip the draft talk. I, uh, I have some names written down if we don't, but, uh, I'm, I'm cool with it just because there's no need to at this point, because we should be talking the exact opposite way instead of, you know, senior bowl shrine bowl games. We should be talking about the playoffs. I think that's, that's something. And we'll get into the preview that if, if the jets win this game, this, this will be five and two. Now you're three games above 500, two games before the bye week a couple AC, AFC East divisional opponents coming up, but, this game is winnable. You mentioned it earlier. You like the matchup. I definitely like the matchup for our defense. Scared a little bit for our offense, and I think it could be a lot of the same against what happened with the Packers. It might look a little different. The Broncos are a different team, but they have another lockdown corner. Patrick Sertan is is very, very good. In his third year now, I think, him and J.C. Horn, I think we're 2020. So I think third year for Patrick Sertan, either doesn't matter, second or third, he's locked down. They have Justin Simmons, the safety, their, their defensive line is is still very good. I know they've uh, lost a lot of pieces, um, but Bradley Chubb is still there. So he, I believe he has six and a half sacks on the year. So he's up there, top three, top five in sacks. So it's definitely another another tough, tough matchup, but one that the Jets should win. I mentioned it a couple weeks ago. Outside of Buffalo, there's no unwinnable games for the Jets. Outside maybe Buffalo, and uh, even so, if we catch Buffalo on a bad day, Let's put them through some tables. So what's your what's your matchup to watch or someone that you think specifically could do well or might not do well in this matchup that you think is worth keeping an eye on against the Broncos? Well, I mean, I <clears throat> excuse me, I hate to say it, but I, I do think that Zach Wilson is going to have a hard time moving the ball mm-hmm. against this defense. 
they really are just that good. Um, <clears throat> so that what does that leave? That leaves the running game again. Now, Brees Hall, this is a strong defensive unit, but are you are you going to just feed him all day? <clears throat> Excuse me. If in fact Zach Wilson can't get the job done, and I think that's where you're going to have to see them. You're going to have to see Zach. You're going to have to call on him to make a couple of big throws. You can't keep you can't keep nickel and diming and expecting mm -hmm. defenses, if nothing else, to loosen things up a little. Because if I'm the Broncos, and I'm sure this is what they'll do, you're going to come out and say, "Let's make Zach Wilson beat us, and we're going to load yep. the box to shut Brees Hall down, and we have the horses to do it." And if Zach can't make some throws, then we're going to shut your offense down all day. And this could be sort of a step backward, um, not in terms of ability, obviously, but we may not see the same production out of Brees Hall this week unless if we see a repeat of, like, just grind them down and then just – and he picks up 70 yards in the fourth right. quarter. Um, you know, I, I think that's the more likely scenario is that um, this is going to be – I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. Um, but I think Brees Hall is going to get – I think he's going to get some numbers. I think his yards per carry will be down. You know, which is tough to say because he could always pop one for 70 mm -hmm. and that kind of sets you up for the rest of the day. Your your yards per carry is going to be solid. But I think Zach Wilson is going to have a hard time moving the football. And I think Brees Hall it will probably – he'll get his numbers, but I think a lot of it's going to come late because I don't – no matter who wins this game, no one's running away with it. Um, you know, that being said, someone's going to win 42 nothing because I said that. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I think Zach's going to have a hard time. But I do think, based on his ability, um, I, I think given – I'm just thinking in terms of Robert Sala's approach, you know, he, he, he likes – he's a big kumbaya guy, wants everyone to be happy and positive approach and positive vibes only and all that. I'm going to – my guess is going to be that they try to feed Elijah Moore and get him eight, nine targets. Yeah. Um, I think other coaches might say, well, then you can sit today. You can – you know, we – we don't know what your future is. You're, you're on the yeah. bench. If the Jets were to do that, I would be blown away. I, if Robert Sala went the route of we're either going to cut your snaps or you may not be active, I think that if the, honestly, if that were to happen, I think that'd be a Joe Douglas thing. Um, mm -hmm. But I, 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 I'm going to, I'm going to guess that with the two choices, either, either bench him or overload him. I'm going to lean more toward overload. And, uh, and he's got the ability, he's got the talent. He's going to want to try to quiet some of the, the, the hate at the moment, I would imagine. Yeah. And I'm going to say Elijah Moore has himself a nice day. Yeah, our, our viewer Mickey here said Zach is due for a big game. And you were saying all that, and I certainly agree. He is due for a big game. I just don't think that this will be the matchup that we should expect. Exactly. You know, 260, 70, 280, whatever, plus and multiple scores. I think you can expect big time throws and that yep. will make it a big game for him because there are certainly matchups that I like. You mentioned Elijah Moore. I'm certainly in that camp. Let's let's feed this guy, like overfeed him to the point where if it doesn't work, I'm okay with it because you can change on the fly and you know you have the rest of the game to do it. But in the first 25 plays, target him five, six times and just see what he can do because when he has had the ball in his hands, it's definitely a, a good time for Jets fans for Absolutely. sure. And his matchup, I mean, I would assume Pastor Tan might be on Corey Davis. He might be on Elijah Moore. I'm not quite sure. But if it's not Pastor Tan, it's a guy named Damari Mathis out of Pittsburgh. Um, he had four or five defensive pass interference penalties in the first half alone last week of their Monday night game. Um, so when in doubt, just target Damari Mathis and whoever's, you know, he's on. So 
there's definitely matchups to like. I think the matchup that I'm most nervous for is on the flip side. Um, granted, Russell Wilson has not looked great this season, obviously. Um, I, I said it last week. Just wait for the Rodgers get-back game. He snaps back like a rubber band. It could take one game for him to be back to MVP. Luckily, it wasn't against the Jets. Russell Wilson's kind of of that same mold, but not to the same extent. I think Russell can make flash, like flashes and have splash plays, but he's not really going to wow me in terms of, oh, wow, 400 yards. We really just lost to Russell Wilson. That being said, Jerry Judy in the slot kind of makes me nervous. He's a little bit different than other slot receivers. He's a very good route runner. And I praised Michael Carter the second earlier, and I think he's the one that's going to have to have a big game. I think on the outside, you have Cortland Sutton, KJ Hamler, Adam uh, Reed and Sauce can handle those guys, in my opinion. I think it's going to come down to Jerry Judy versus Michael Carter. That's my big matchup to watch. But but like you said, this is this is going to have to be a game where Zach doesn't have to make all the plays, just some of the plays. And if he can make majority of those plays, the Jets have no reason not to win this. I wrote it down. They showed a graphic during the Monday night game. The, the Broncos have been in a one-score game, three points or less, mind you, in the fourth quarter of every single game this season. When you're going up against a team that leads the NFL in fourth-quarter touchdowns, fourth-quarter yards, yards per play, everything positive in the fourth quarter against you, that's not a recipe for success. So if the Jets can even hold it close, like you said, no 42 to nothing, no even 26 to nothing like it was last year, Mm-hmm. Yeah, keep it close. And the fourth quarter, that's the Jets. And I truly believe that the Jets can come away with a victory here. Yeah, I, I think this is going to be uh, – <clears throat> I think I think if the Jets do score a touchdown, it's going to be late. It's going to be when they wear Denver down. I could see yeah. this being a really boring sort of 17-9 type of game. Um, you know, n- sort of 9-9 going into the fourth quarter or 10-9 going into the fourth yep. quarter. Um, you know, unless listen, unless you see a defensive score, if Russ Wilson plays, yeah, good. Um, d- does if he starts, does he finish? And if you mm-hmm. go to the backup, you know, the, and even with Russ, the you know, the the caveat with this, the caveat with defensive battles and and the final scores is always does the defense get a couple takeaways and run one or two of them back? Um, you know, yeah. that that's the only way I can see really uh, significant you scoring early on. But I think it's going to be a low scoring game. I think it's going to be like a seventeen ten type game. Yeah, um, I'll go out and just give my prediction. I had down 17 to 14, so I'm in that same boat. I think, like last week, if you can get that special teams or defensive turnover and turn it into points immediately and not rely on your offense, even with a short field, that's going to be the way to score multiple um, multiple touchdowns in this game. I don't foresee it coming all on offense. They only scored, <laughs> this is weird to say, only scored two offensive touchdowns last week. But they still, in the last three weeks, they lead the league in rushing touchdowns with eight. So just keep that same formula. I think 17 to 14 is well within reach for all the reasons we just laid out. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, if Brett Rippon is the quarterback, I, I might be a little, you know, less nervous than Russell Wilson. I think, sure, Brett Rippon killed us or whatever they want to say on Twitter. But it, it's it's Russell Wilson at the end of the day. And and he, he could he could have a good game. It's that's, that's basically what I'm trying to say is that he can have a good game. I want the jets to win. I think the jets will win, get to five and two before these harder divisional matchups that looked a little easier on paper before we got to this point with Bailey Zappi. <laughs> yeah. B- Bailey Zappi, man. He's uh, it's nuts. I hate, I hate to say it. I, I tweeted out before the draft. Um, 
you know, that I knew the Jets weren't in the market for a quarterback, but he was a lot of fun to watch. Like, could he be like a could he be like a day three backup? Uh, yep. You mocked him to the Jets at one point. I'm pretty sure. I, I think I did. I think I if did. They didn't uh, take a first round quarterback. I said you you threw out a scenario of hey, like you know, scorched earth. They don't take a quarterback at two. They go whoever, and they got Bailey Zappi in the fourth. I think like oh, you got a lot of hate, and I don't think it was necessarily warranted because you break all those records in college. You can't be a bad football player. Yeah, and what do you, what do you go round five? I think round five. Think yeah. Was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it, like I said, he's he was a, a fun player to watch at Western Kentucky, and yeah, he 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 might be one of the better players, better quarterbacks on the schedule right now, um, remaining, and that that's a good thing though. Um, you you right. look at the the QBs they have left versus the QBs they faced. And, um, and yeah, listen, if, if they win, if they get to five and two, then at that point, not making the playoffs becomes a disappointment. Like you can't right. be five and two um, playing that well and having, you know, that, that the quarterbacks left on the, you know, I think they have what they have Jared Goff, you know, yep. with this defense, you can't, you can't let Jared Goff beat you with 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 right. these guys you have on defense. So you got some players that you should be able to slow down. Sort of these middle of the road QBs. Five and two is a nice little launching pad into the postseason. Yeah, absolutely. And if it weren't for the Elijah Moore trade at the top, I would have led the show with this. But you might not remember, but when I first started doing the podcast here two years ago, entering week seven of the 2020 season, we sat here. We were an audio-only podcast, thankfully, because our reactions would have been absolute garbage. We were 0-6, and we were talking about not just the house being on fire, but the ashes of the house being on fire. So it's so nice to close this show thinking about 5-2 and two and the realistic possibility of it and just how in such a short time you can really transform a franchise. I think Giants fans are getting a, a piece of it now at 5-1 and one with Brian Dayball, and Yep. You can say it's unsustainable all you want, but there wins at the end of the day, and that helps your team grow as a unit. So it's nice to see such a short turnaround. And I don't know if you remember that podcast, but that was uh, grim times, and we're we're definitely turning a corner onto greener pastures. And it's it's nice to be talking about wins because it makes you more excited to come on and do a podcast and and write that article about somebody doing good. And now we have the distraction, but. When there's positivity in the air, it just makes everything flow so much better. Dude, and I just, I'm so happy I, for it. I say all the time, and I'm not even joking. And it's, it's kind of a, it, it, it's kind of a sad commentary. But, and I, I, after the first Cleveland win, I felt it. I feel because you know they usually only get a couple wins a year, right. and I always forget because they're so infrequent. And then when they get a win, I always say the same thing to myself. I'm always like, I can't believe how much this team has control over my happiness. Like oh, I feel yeah. in my own damn life, I feel so much better when, when they get a win, uh, you know, and that that's bad. That shouldn't be the case. Like uh, my son is just now at the point where he's starting to sit on the couch with me and watch, like he can watch the first half. Cause he's young enough with the time change. He's got to be sure. in bed. Yeah. Halftime. But he watches the first half with me and I look at him cheering and I'm like, am I doing the right thing here? Like, <laughs> Should I, should I send him to his room and tell him to read a book about Albert Einstein or something? Right. Because I don't want him going. To, you know, I don't want him being uh, getting uh, getting bummed out when when uh when the bad times come. But it's it's crazy. I, I I I sometimes I need to take a step back and be like, dude, like these guys don't even know you exist on this planet, and here you are, like mad at the world for for a few hours on a Sunday after the game because you know because they lost or whatever. But yeah, you just it, it, when when you're this much into a team, man, you everything. You know, so 
the what is it? The, 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 the cloud doesn't have as many skies. The sun shines a little brighter. But, hey, they yeah, won. I'm yeah. happy. Like, things don't bother me. But it's crazy. It's, strangers shouldn't have that much control over me. But, uh, damn it, you know, 34 years. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it is nice on Monday when I go into work and my boss is still, you know, crapping all over the Jets. And I'm like, hey, just at this point, just keep talking because yeah. every time you do it, we keep winning and I'll take it. Whatever works. I'm not I'm not superstitious. I'm just a little stitious. I was so. wondering. I, I Exactly. I told you about <laughs> um, what was it the uh, after the Dolphins win when that guy came up to me, um, you know, yeah, after the, yeah, you know, yeah. um, I, I, I've never met the guy in my life. It's my In kids his feelings. Crap. And he's like, oh, you only won because you're third stringer. So I was curious what he was going to say since they beat Aaron Rodgers. You know, like if he yeah, – and, yeah. and I just kind of kept an eye on him. And he, he just walked past me today. What's up? He fist bumped me and kept walking. He didn't really say anything. And, you know, because you figure the Dolphins lost to the Vikes. Um, but, you know, like I said, it, it was a good conversation all around. But I I think people are starting to notice. You know, people like – For sure. You know, we can't really – the Jets might not be a team to make fun of anymore. Yeah, people tried to minimize that Miami game specifically and say, "Oh, well, whatever. That was your Super Bowl. Your your no game is going to yeah. be better than that game there." And if it wasn't for some really stout first half defense, the second game, the game right after, would have been a better game by the Jets. So stacking up these wins in a positive manner with a good foundation to build on is what we want. Five and two is what we want. Maybe we want Brett Rippin. I'm not sure, but for I'm, now, I'm telling you, I I don't I don't I know we're wrapping up, but I. The, Russell Wilson is so bad right now. He might be the he might be the, the best guy to face. Right. He's so bad. He's so he bad. Is. Those those pictures of him over the middle and he can't yes. find the open guy. Every, and every they're game. editing out the defenders and he's yes. still, it's so funny. somebody somebody did it. Somebody did a breakdown of like showing his vision over the middle. Bad. He is not so I'm look. That's that's the part where I'm saying Denver might not score because yep. if you lock down the guys on the outside and he's not seeing the middle, he might be the best guy to face right now. Yep. Shit. If the Jets shut out the Broncos, or even keep might, out of the end zone, you know, I might, I might wear a Halloween costume on Thursday if the Jets shut out the Broncos. Like that's hold, that's hold, crazy. Hold the field goals. Hold them yeah. The exactly. Goals. Yes. Exactly. But all right, that's it for us for now. Uh, we'll be back next Thursday. Uh, make sure you tune into Glenn's YouTube recap of the game Sunday afternoon or Monday morning. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at AceFan23. You can follow me on Twitter at DTerriman. Follow us, obviously, at Jet Nation on Twitter, on Facebook, YouTube, all the, the social platforms. And thank you to everybody in the comments. I see everybody blowing up about Denzel Mims playing and Elijah Moore here, here or there. Where is he going to be? So I appreciate everybody's interactions. And until next week, 5-2, and two, let's go Jets.